Hi, guys. Um, well, welcome to our finale of the Inner Child December series. Um, first of all, thank you guys so much for listening to this series. I know it's a new format, um, but as I've said before, this was really a special endeavor, but also a very selfish endeavor for me. Um, I've just had inner child stuff and healing come up so much over the past few months, and I felt like it was really important for me to talk about it because I've I've seen it echoed in my TikTok audience and from my podcast listeners that that's also something that a lot of you guys have been going through. So I'm so glad we got to talk about this. Obviously, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, please go back and listen to them. They're fantastic. Um, we have a special guest for our finale, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear her. But before we get to that, let's go over some trigger warnings real quick. So we talk about assault, childhood trauma, religious trauma, shame, general trauma, and anxiety. And then I also wanted to give a quick little teaser for what we are going to be doing in January. A lot of you guys really enjoyed my megachurch series on my TikTok. And so we are going to be doing a two-part megachurch series next Friday and Saturday to start off the new year. The Saturday episode will release at 6 a.m. PST and more details will be posted about that soon. But for now, I hope you enjoyed the episode and happy new year. Hi all and welcome back to Mindful Minds. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we are finishing our inner child series with our finale episode and we have our guest Morgan Harper Nichols with us today. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm so good. Um, I was just chatting with Morgan before we started uh, recording but for a little bit of context um, I have been following Morgan's work since at least 2016 at the very least. Um, and specifically all of the, all the people who listen to mindful minds know about my assault journey and the investigation and all of that. And when that was going on, uh, in early 2018, I, um, covered my room in, in Morgan Harper Nichols quotes and poems. Um, and we were just chatting about a few of them, but I had them, uh, printed out on like photo paper, I had them on my mirror. I had them as my phone background. And if you followed me on Instagram and you're someone who actually knows me from my personal life, you'll know that I posted them constantly. Um, And they were a little bit of a lifeline for me. Um, I hadn't started writing poetry yet. And I, I just kind of I really resonated with so much of it and so many of, of, of your poems and your art specifically from that time were so focused on like giving yourself grace and letting yourself rest and hope that there is still room for growth and better things in the future. And in that time in my life, I was having such a hard time zooming out and I was so zoomed in on the situation at hand and how dire it was and how draining it was that having constant verbal encouragement from you (laughs) of you saying things to my soul of saying it's going to be okay. Like there is still tomorrow. You need to give yourself grace. Like there's still beauty in this. It just like anyone from that time of my life can like back me up and say, no, really, she was like so into this. So Mm -hmm. having you on, I, I just, I mentioned to Morgan as well at the beginning, um, when I first started the podcast, I reached out to a ton of people and DM'd so many people trying to get guests on the podcast, assuming that no one would want to come on. And I came across your Instagram and I was like, oh, I don't know. She wouldn't come on. I shouldn't even DM her. That's embarrassing. Like, I I was like, I need to, I can't, I, that's, there's no way. And so 
when you followed me on TikTok, I my brain blew into bits. Like I, I told her I I called my sister and was like, "Oh my god, you're not gonna believe what just happened." So having you on is like, I say this often that it's an honor to have people on, but you have had such a direct impact on my life, like mm. m- more than more than anyone I've had on, and and I've it's just been it's so directly personal for me. So thank you so much for the work that you do. And I I know that sometimes it might seem like you're saying it into a void and I, I promise you, you are not. (laughs) Wow. I just, thank you. Thank you for one, for just sharing that. I mean, that is just so, (sighs) yeah, it's so many things. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) And, and the thing that just stands out to me the most is just how, just how mysterious but beautiful it is to just know that like you can not know someone at all but still have like a close connection um and yeah I mean for me poetry and art is where I go in the unknown (laughs) like when when the questions are just so big so I you know it just it feels like while you know hearing someone else who was in this deep place of like wow like I don't know. It kind of feels like we we've met each other in that place, like through the words and poetry and art. So yeah, it just, it's just, you know, encouraging to hear and yeah. So yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Sorry. I'm really awkward yeah. when people, people talk about my work. I'm like, Oh, oh my gosh, gosh no, you should see me never, trying to I, take a compliment. I'm, <laughs> I'm horrible at it. Like, I think, I think while you were talking, like I was like tugging my hair. Like I was like, hide, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, let me just take it in and just, no, I do different. the exact same thing, <laughs> but I think it, I think it also just speaks to how I think the thing about, having any type of any type of obstacle in your life period any type of insecurity any type of fear is it's amazing how isolating it can feel even mm-hmm. though sometimes rationally you know that other people have probably had that feeling before yeah. Yeah. um but there's something about art whether it's in the form of writing or poetry or actual like graphic art or music where when you see someone else pour creative energy into something and you relate to it. And it's like, I've tried to explain to people before, like my connection with music of when I hear a song, I mean, I'm the type of person, well, I will, I will listen to a song and I'll just start hysterically crying. And I'm like, Oh, this person understands my soul. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I think it, it makes you feel so much less alone compared to just hearing someone say, Oh yeah, I know. I get that. I've been through that. Seeing it put into a creative outlet. It just, it hits a little bit different. That's so true. I and I love that you brought that up because that's actually something I've been I've been trying to unpack because I feel like it's it's something that's been so rich and so consistent in my life. And I'm just like, what is that? <laughs> like I, I kind of had this image yesterday of like these like a song came on uh that I just really love. And I feel like I can just like I don't know why I just said this when I heard it. I was like, I feel like I can just like crawl up into this song. And I'm like, what the Mm -hmm. heck does that even mean? And I was just like, oh, it's almost like these songs or paintings or poems. Like they've created almost like these little rooms, like these little bubbles that just hold like all those things that we feel judged about, you know, outside of those rooms. It's like, oh, not in here though. Like the judgment's gone. Like you're free to just 
feel that longing, that anger, whatever it is. So yeah, yeah, I've just been really thinking about that a lot. Yeah. And I'm going to embarrass you a little bit more. I'm going to read a few of the poems that I had up on my wall because I just logged into my Shutterfly account and found them. So uh, the first one, and I had this one in multiple places, um, was perhaps this is what the season is all about, trusting in the unknowns, finding gold in the little things, trading fear of what's uncertain for freedom to thrive within it. I had that one mm, yeah, multiple that was 2018. places. Yep. <laughs> and then um, wow. I had, no matter how heavy the memories fall upon your heart, no matter what has come together or what was torn apart, there is still a reason you made it this far and how after everything that happened, you are blooming as you are. And that one with the PTSD and the trauma that I was going through, that was like, that one was mm. another one that was on right by my bed, like by my dorm room. I had like a like a bunk bed <laughs> right by my dorm room bunk bed. I had both wow. of those printed out. Um, I also had, this was the third one that I had by my bed. Um, think about where you were last year. Think about the things that you used to worry about so much that no longer consume your mind and time. The relationship that wasn't healthy, the stress of what this year would be like, the things you never thought you would accomplish but did. All those things are worthy of being grateful for and are beautiful reminders that after everything that happened, you are going to be okay. And I, I printed that one out after I got out of my abusive relationship. And I was like, okay. Like, mm. and that was 20, 2019, I think going into 2020 ish. And I was like, okay, like I, this is going to be my like mantra for this year. Yeah. Um, and then I had keep planting and sowing, living and knowing that beautiful things take time and that is okay. Um, I had, I hope today is the kind of day where you see the light in everything And I had, this is the season she will make beautiful things, not perfect things, but honest things that speak to who she is and who she is called to be. So, ladies and gentlemen, Margaret Harper Nichols. Wow. Oh, my goodness. It was, you know, it's interesting. I never, yeah, I I, just hearing you read those back to me. I don't know if that's ever happened for me before. So it was interesting because I was just like thinking about the different people that I was writing those for. and where I was living, what I was going through at the time of writing those. So that was just, wow. That, thank you for that. It's amazing that <laughs> you, you can place the timing of them too. Cause that's you write so many of them. Like the fact that you said 2018, I was like, that's what's surprising to that? me. I, I remember <laughs> where I was standing in the kitchen with my iPad when I wrote that particular one and who I wrote it to. And I never really, it was not until this moment that I'm like, why do <laughs> this all just stored up there in my brain i guess but that's yeah, so that wild is, that's never ha- like i never because i've never had anyone read it back to me so yeah that yeah. was that was that was a new experience um i was like wow didn't didn't know that was there so <laughs> yeah it's stored somewhere well for wow. anyone living under a rock do you want to give a little bit of context as oh, to your yes. background and who yes, you I are i totally and- was supposed to do that yes no yeah, you're so- totally fine <laughs> Yeah, so my name is Morgan, Morgan Harper Nichols, and I I just moved back to my home state of Atlanta, Georgia, in Georgia, USA, where I live. And that was a weird way of saying that, but <laughs> I'm I'm an artist and a writer. I, I feel like I do a lot of things, but it comes down to that. Just making art and writing. And I ended up in this kind of realm of doing this. Um I don't want to say by accident, but 
it it wasn't it wasn't really something I was trying to do. Um, I I love being creative, but I also love like structure and organization, and I also like I'm not the kind of person who just naturally likes to just like be in the spotlight or or have a lot of attention on me. So actually, when I had like my first piece go viral, I was like, "Oh crap, what's this? Like, what am I supposed to do with this?" Like, it just it it made me very nervous, and it all still makes me very nervous. But at the same time, on the other side of that coin is that it's always been in my life that through art and poetry, that's how I how I work my way into courage, um, and how I work my way into owning my voice and and trying to to take up more space if you will i know that gets said a lot but i think it it is the absolute perfect image um because so many of us have just been taught to make ourselves smaller and smaller and smaller and be quieter and quieter and quieter so my work really has been like no here you need to actually say something like in full color show up and yeah, so it's it's just been an interesting journey of of like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm I'm gonna try to paint some images. I'm gonna make some poetry and and just see where it leads. And I've been doing that for the past five years, and um, it it was it's been full time for about four ish years or so, and it's just been a a very a constantly, um just wild experience <laughs> of of learning and growing through making art. So I have books, I I have an app and there's probably some other stuff, but that's me. You you had a line <laughs> in Target for a little while? Yes, yes. So I have a lot I do a lot of art licensing. So a lot of my artwork has been in Target, Home Goods, um Hallmark there's like a like a card line in CVS right now, which I haven't seen. I need to go see that. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but because I, I heard that it was rolling out, but I I didn't know to what extent. But I'm starting to get more text messages like, "Hey, I'm seeing you in CVS." I'm like, "Okay, hey, I think, I, know to, I, think I need to go to CVS." <laughs> I heard when that's the thing that's interesting is like for all the things I do, there's like there's like 20 things that fall through. So it's like for any one thing that is seen out there, there was a whole bunch of other stuff that never happened. So the target thing was very similar. I, I collaborated with a company that makes art and frames and things. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to pitch it to target. I didn't know what that meant. Like, you know, I didn't know if target was actually going to pick it up or not. And they were like, yeah, okay. So it's going to be in target uh, in a few weeks, this full display. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. Like when did that officially happen? You had a full end cap. Like I yeah, remember walking through I, target and it was like Morgan Harper Nichols. And then all of your stuff. And me and my friends were like, Oh my God, like, this is so cool. And we were so excited. Yeah, it was, I was too. Yeah, I did not see that coming up until like a few weeks before. And I was like, I guess they're doing it. We'll see what happens. And it ended up being this really big rollout. So yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. Well, I want to, we're doing inner child talk. So that was what this whole month has been about. And it's a very selfish month for me because I've talked a lot on the podcast about the inner child work has just been a massive theme in my own life recently. And I've learned that as I give my inner child grace and healing and room to play and room to rest and room to not feel like she has to achieve, um, 
it's it's been very like like a <laughs> like a disease is the wrong word but it's like been it spreads into everything else mm-hmm. where then i'm viewing i'm you know giving grace to my parents and our child and to my ex-partners and my friends and I just thinking of like the little version of everyone and how to give all of them grace and also how to forgive people in my past of viewing like, okay, well, how did, how did their past trauma impact them? And how did that, you know, create the situation that we have today? And so selfishly a a few months ago, I kind of stumbled upon the idea of, okay, maybe I do a full month and just like invite some people on and, hammer out this whole inner child thing. Um, and you, when we connected on TikTok, one of the first things I thought was like, oh, you'd be so perfect for this because so much of your art and your poetry focuses on like loving yourself and giving yourself grace and being gentle with yourself, giving yourself room to rest and to play and to grow. And a lot of those things are things that a lot of children didn't get. Mm -hmm. Um, I've talked a little on the podcast with some mental health professionals about the whole act your age thing and how children are often expected to act their age, but it's used against you when you're actually acting your age. You will be a child (laughs) and you'll be making mistakes that children make. And then an adult will come by and say, act your age. And it's like, I'm seven. Like I yeah. am acting my age. This is how oh seven my goodness. Act. I yeah. That that has actually been a theme of some conversations that I've had today. Um, because I'm a parent of a three-year-old. And so that that yeah, I'm always like in that headspace right now because I'm watching him and I'm also at a point where I'm having to like, you know, start doing things with other parents. And a lot of times just to be totally transparent, like I'm already struggling with not always fitting in with other parents because people will find out like that we just don't have all these strict rules about everything a child should do. Cause I'm just like, I, it's just not at the top of my list, quite frankly. I'm like, the world is going, the world forces so many rules and regulations on us. Like, I'm not just, no, I don't have a spreadsheet ready to go of, (laughs) you know, of all these things. And I, this is slightly unrelated, but kind of related. But this, this evening, um, well, a few hours ago, I was just passively, passively had the television on and we were getting like the regular TV commercials, which I'm just honestly kind of out of the loop of, of regular TV commercials. But I just, you right. know, so I just kind of like started to tune in because they, they always crank the volume up really loud when the commercials come on. And in two commercial breaks that I saw, I didn't watch the full ones, but I saw three separate commercials where it was an adult doing something that only quote unquote kids do. And the whole like point of the commercial and the whole selling point of the product was like, use us to grow up. And these are like separate brands like telling this message. And I was just like, wow. I was like, this is something that may seem harmless, but it's not. It's like, there's so many of us who feel like we cannot have the permission to nurture those things that are not super grown up or official um 
And yet those are the very things that help us foster joy and curiosity and make life worth living. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't know what the answer is for that. I don't have, I don't have the answer, but I just did notice within myself. I was like, wow, this kind of upsets me. Like, I was like, I know that yeah. this is, I know this is being, I'm sure if I said this to most people, they're like, oh, you're overthinking it. You're looking at it too much. But I'm like, I don't know. I, as some, I guess somebody, an adult who colors pictures for a living, <laughs> I'm just like, it's something that I think about. I'm like, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's it's made a lot it's made a huge positive impact now that i've allowed myself to enter into that more yeah i think i think the other thing too is i think being a grown up is a scam i don't think it i don't think you ever actually yeah. like hit a i think maybe when you're i don't know i'm i'm not in my 60s i'm not in my 70s so i have no idea maybe when you're there you you feel like you've you've had enough time but i think the yeah. thing that's that people don't and not even people but society doesn't teach you as as a child is that there's habits and there are there are things that take a while to get used to transitioning out of and the mm-hmm. world doesn't do a great job with providing a buffer for transitions mm-hmm. and we'll get into neurodivergence in a little bit you and I are both neurodivergent and I don't know how you feel about transitions but mm. I like a lot of time to be able to gradually oh transition into something. Yes. Um, any like blunt changes like yeah, hurt I my head. Um, <laughs> and so I think the thing that's interesting is like you hit 18 and you're technically an adult and then you're given you, – you, you all of a sudden have like a plate full of adult things that you're allowed to do. However, you're coming off of 18 years of experience being a child. And – I I have a feeling that like maybe when you're in your early 40s or late 50s, you have a little bit of an edge because you've technically been an adult longer than Mm -hmm. you've been a child. Yeah. (laughs) But I think like I'm 23 and I'm like, I've got 18 years of being a child versus like four years of being a quote unquote adult. (laughs) And I'm like, I, how how am I supposed to feel more experienced as an adult than as a child? Um, And in addition, my whole childhood, I was the, um, 4.0 valedictorian really mature for her age kid Mm -hmm. who was also um had a mood disorder that was undiagnosed had anxiety that was undiagnosed had trauma that people weren't aware of um i am me and my therapist are like 99% sure that I'm autistic. We haven't gotten me tested yet, but we are, we are pretty darn sure. And so all those things lining up, um, and me, me, my therapist, and everyone in my life, my friends, my partner, my parents, everybody. Um, and all of those things add up. And you get to adulthood, and you finally have the freedom to reparent yourself in some ways and give yourself mm-hmm. spaces to redo some things that maybe maybe those needs didn't get met when you were a kid. Yeah. And then the world kind of tells you you're not allowed to. And it's like, well, hang on. This is the one time in my life where I've actually had the freedom and the space to do what I want to do, to do what actually makes me feel safe and makes me feel heard. And mm-hmm. now you're putting like stipulations on that. And it it feels very restrictive, especially a lot of my listeners and myself are coming out of really conservative, intense, intense, intense religious environments. And so there's a lot of restriction there as well. 
and you hit adulthood and it's like, whoa, 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 hang on. This is where I get to actually like have the freedom and play and have fun. You don't get to now tell me how I get to do that. It, it feels very like um, restrictive isn't even the right word. I think it feels um, like someone is just putting like tape over your mouth or something. It just It just feels like you're once again being silenced in a way when a lot of the times you were silenced as a kid because you're supposed to grow up and act your age and, you know, not express your feelings. And so you get to be an adult and it's like, well, no, give me the freedom to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you become an adult and then there's all these extra, extra rules that just keep getting added and added and it never, ever stops <laughs> like mm -hmm. i've i've had this this comment that i've almost wanted to leave on like a gazillion tiktok videos <laughs> that i've come across um but i they only allow like you know one sentence comments anyway so i haven't left the, the, the character limit is so it short. is so yeah i <laughs> There's so many things that don't comment on because I'm like, I'm sorry. The whole taking time to transition, I'm like, I take a minute to get to my point. I'm sorry, I'm not, no, <laughs> I'm not quick and witty. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I end up not saying a lot of things. But I've seen a lot of people talk about how you know they feel so pressured by society to like have a child, which I totally understand. I I had my son at like me and my husband were both 29, I think almost yeah almost 30 so i get that i mean we we heard that for years but i've just been so fascinated by like oh even after you have a kid they they just add like a whole new rank of like oh so what kind of school are they going to go to and mm -hmm. you know i was like i don't know like we're still at the hospital like it's, yeah it i'm never just like ends. can we stop asking all these questions and trying to cuz it, it does feel and i think after my autism diagnosis i've just become more aware of it I don't think people intend to do this. Like even I think in, you know, say like very like heavy religious environments, like where certain, you know, like, oh, people, you know, get married, whatever that is, like whatever it is in your, in your culture of like, oh, people do X, Y, and Z when they become right. an adult. I right. don't think it's so ingrained in the culture. I don't think people are conscious of it, but it's like these questions become boxes within themselves mm -hmm. because they force you to, to like, let's just take the whole, you know, um, uh, like, like if like ask if someone, so you're gonna go into ministry or something? Like just take a question like that. Someone asking you that. If someone's asking you that, it, it really does put you in a space that even if you're saying no or I don't know, you're still kind of held within the question itself. Like people mm -hmm. are still observing you and trying to see what you're gonna do. And I I grew up as a preacher's kid, so I I understand that too. <laughs> the most yeah. and and it was interesting for me because I didn't have I actually don't have a lot of store a lot of the same stories I've heard other preachers kids have the pressure from the parents um my parents didn't really I didn't really feel it as intensely from them as I did other church people. Yeah. And that is where literally right now, as I'm talking about it, I still feel it in my body. I am physically tensing up right now. And this is years later. Mm -hmm. I'm 32. <laughs> I'm so many years removed from this and I'm still tensing up because there will be moments where I would do something like just hum a tune to a top 40 song. 
And there's somebody across the church that's like, I thought you were the preacher's daughter. I thought you, oh, oh, what do you know about that song? Um, my mom told me, like, <laughs> I mean, we're like laughing about it now, but we're like, it's just so ridiculous. My mom told me that she once had someone, when I was about 16, now I was introverted, undiagnosed autistic, never left the house for anything. Like, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> I, into trouble. Yeah, yeah, I was, I did nothing. Like, I did not get into trouble because just, just because I was boring, probably. <laughs> like, yes. I just, I was just boring. So, um, I didn't do anything, yeah. but, um, <laughs> my mom had someone come up to her after church and say, I saw Morgan at a club last night. I know it was her. I know it was. And they were just like insistent. And my mom was like, pretty sure that wasn't her. And they were like, no, it absolutely was. So I was like, well, what are, what were you doing there then? Like she was trying to like make light of it. They just would not let it go. And I was just like, how many, I, I sometimes I just think about the sheer amount of people who are just, who were raised and felt like they were under surveillance by yeah. all these people within their community. And and it's interesting because the more I talk to people who didn't even grow up in the same like cultural context that I did, like this happens in so many different versions too. Yeah. So kind of going back to the whole inner child thing, I think that's why it's so important for me now because it's like, who would I have been without that fear of surveillance? Yeah. Who would I have been without you know, what, what would I have done as a child had I not feared, you know, what other people might think or might say? And you don't realize in the moment how strong of an influence that stuff has on you until you're sitting here at 32 years old and your body is still tensing up. <laughs> Talking about myself yeah. here, my body's still tensing up at the thought of that. So, yeah. It can be, it can be really intense. And I think I mean, I'm also coming from a religious environment, so that's the only context that I have. But, like, I I wasn't the preacher's kid, but I was really involved. And I know that I think because there is, you know, a, a, a book that has a lot of regulations and a lot of expectations that – and there's also the kind of sense of accountability in religious texts that it gives people the – permission I guess to be a little bit too nosy in other people's lives and I've had I've had people um when I I made a public announcement that I was leaving Christianity because I was so involved in church for so long that I was like I think I need to actually make an announcement so that people don't come to me and ask for prayer not because that would be bad on them that's the only context that they've known me in so like it's not on them at all if that's something that they they come and think that I'm still involved. Like, that would make complete sense. But it was more like, I know that's going to be a trigger for me, and I think it would be better if I just put it out there and let people know. I had so many people coming at me that I hadn't spoken to in years that were in no way involved in my life but had maybe seen me in Sunday school 10 years ago who were giving opinions on – my life and the fact that they thought I was going to do XYZ as a career path and that this is, this was, I'm failing now or that they were so disappointed in me. And it's like, uh, hi, ma'am. I don't know you, nor do I give a living shit about 
what you think about my life. I really couldn't care less. And there's been a quote circulating more and more recently that has been popping up whenever things pop up in my life, like multiple times, I'm like, hmm, (laughs) maybe I'm supposed to pay attention to this. And there was a quote that popped up a lot that um, was just saying, don't take advice from people whose lives you don't want to live. And I was having a lot of people who were involved in things that I didn't really, didn't align with my morals and my values. And they were giving me advice on my life. And it was Uh kind of one of those things where it was like, it was, even though like I could objectively say, you don't know me, you don't have the right to give your opinion. I don't really care about your opinion. The little version of me still was so like, felt so silenced and shut down and shamed Mm -hmm. and terrified that I was like bringing shame to my parents and that I was actually failing and that everyone was going to think poorly of me now because the little achiever that like is so deeply ingrained into like the the 10 year old version of me was just like horrified. And I, I often now refer to myself as like the way that I talk about inner child things, especially in therapy and I'm doing EMDR right now. And I've been talking a lot about, the 23-year-old Fina can say, I don't, I, I don't need your opinion. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. Like I'm an adult. I can make my own decisions. I know I'm a very educated, competent person. I know I have the intelligence and the self-awareness to make those decisions and know if they're right. And then the but the five-year-old Fina is like, ah, like, I'm disappointing <laughs> everyone and I'm so scared yeah. and I'm so ashamed. And, and you're so all really, these people at once. Exactly. And it's yeah, so nuanced and so like complicated. And I, as someone who is neurodivergent and likes things to be organized, I don't like that. I like it when yeah. things are in fun little categories that I can yes. say there, there's a feeling there and there mm-hmm. and there, and they're all separated and nothing is bleeding into each other. And the nuance and the gray is like, I used to say that I hated it and I don't think I hate it because I've actually found that I can find parts of it that I really enjoy to explore, but it's definitely not comfortable. It is Mm. not where I feel most comfortable. And so, so much of inner child healing is just nuance on nuance on nuance on nuance Yeah, and just everything is blending together. Oh my goodness. Yes. And yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I can, I can relate to the whole it's uh, just not knowing what to do with those different emotions and trying to figure out, you know, what's like, you know, especially when anger rises up, you know, it's like, what's, what's like, like a, like a vengeance, vengeance kind of anger. What's like a mm-hmm. protective kind of anger. What's like a, you know, standing up for my inner child kind of anger. And I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. I certainly can't figure it out in real time. But I am proud of myself for, you know, at least asking those questions and even just what, you know, the awareness that you have around yeah. that. I think that is it's it's the I think that's the probably the most important part, you know, especially when you when you think about former versions of yourself that may not have had that awareness. It's like at least I know now that I have yeah. all of these things to navigate. And yes, it does get all messy and muddled together. Um, but uh, it's never like too late or too early to like pull out of it or like snap out of it. Like I, I recently had um, 
a moment where, and this is sort of like a, where I felt like I was standing up for myself. So I had a moment earlier this year where I really had to stand up for myself and just tell someone, hey, what you're doing is not okay. And their response was not so great. <laughs> um, definitely <laughs> denied it. And I, I felt like this small. Oh, it's a podcast. I felt like the size of a guitar pick. Um, <laughs> I yeah. felt I felt really tiny. I just felt, I, oh man, it took me a long time to just to just feel like myself again after that, because they just, their words made me feel really small. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to this, this is, that was way earlier in the year. And now I actually had a message that I had to send today of something very similar of just me really standing up for myself and just saying, Hey, like I just, you know, need to move on from this. And to give a little bit more context, I've been in, realizing that there have been people in my life and a lot of this has to do with autism because for so long I didn't have friends and when I finally started making friends I started making friends with people who we didn't we don't really have the same views on like fundamental stuff like I'm not talking like oh you like cheese pizza and I like pepperoni I'm talking like oh, you don't believe that white supremacy exists. And I do. And it's yeah. really kind of hard to talk about a lot of things. And we cannot agree on that. At right. least I'm like, I'm not saying you have to understand. I'm not saying you have to, to get it and speak intellectually about it. But I'm like, if I can't just have like a basic conversation about this, I'm like, that is the place where I go with my friends. Um, Like we, it, it comes up like, yeah. Not all the time, but I mean, hey, it comes up. So just many variations of that. That was just the first, the first one that came to mind. But yeah. many variations of that. And and I, just, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to feel small after this conversation. So I'm going to send it as a text message. And yep. I know some people might be like, oh, you should call. I'm like, no, this oh. person is a talker. They talk fast. They talk over me. And yeah, it's it's it, they're going to get it as a text message. And that for me... I was like, yeah, that's protecting little Morgan, little autistic Morgan, who mm-hmm. when all these emotions start coming up, I'm not able to talk as fast. I do. I get talked over a lot in, in a situation like that. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a process, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting to identify. I'm like, OK, what are the tools that I have? And sometimes a text message is that tool. You know, it's like I, I'm not it's like I'm not talking about that. You're going to get it as a text. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, but texts. I am in such full support of sending a text message over a phone conversation. If, if it is a really mm-hmm. heated or personal phone conversations or, can be very manipulative. They can. And I, mm-hmm. I funny enough, uh, exact, not, not the white supremacy, but the, the conversation, the setting a boundary, the feeling like you needed to step back exact same situation like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And wow. for the same reason, um, I, I'm also someone who has had a, very hard time making friends in my life and part of that was I grew up in such a small religious environment my school was really 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 tiny I only had 36 kids in my entire grade <laughs> um so there was just not I was homeschooled to... so I'm like I get it there you go there you go yeah and it was like I get it. Just, yeah there weren't a lot of of options to to mm-hmm. you know yep. learn and also the thing with with not having a lot of options is you just become friends with whoever comes your way there isn't the, you don't get to learn the tools and the, um, 
the awareness and the discernment, I guess, of picking friends that you think actually would mesh well with your personality style, friends that are intentional, friends that it's an equal relationship and it's not Mm. one person is putting way more effort in than the other one. And so you kind of end up uh, and and I've I've had this for a lot of my life put on me as like, a, well, you pick bad friends. And it's like, well, I've been in a bubble for like 20 mm-hmm. years. So like the bubble is small and the people who wander into that bubble, I try to snag as quick as physically possible because yeah. I never have any friends. Mm-hmm. And so as an adult, it's been a huge learning curve. And even in dating, when I was casually dating, I just would pick so many like especially like my first partner in college like ended up being the person that assaulted me like I just picked like and and part of that was that he is a manipulative uh serial assaulter part of it is that I grabbed whoever showed any interest like the second he showed interest I was like oh person like okay I didn't do I didn't put any thought into it all of my intuition was saying Fina Fina this is gonna end bad there are red flags this is not Mm. good my intuition was going off the charts and something that um, my therapist and I have been working on is just trusting my gut. And she said, I think that you didn't trust your gut out of survival because you did need people in your life and you needed yeah. wow. people to surround yourself. And so mm-hmm. you weren't able to trust your gut. You kind of just needed to take whatever you could get. And it was more of a survival instead of trying to thrive in your social environment. And so my therapist was like, you're not in survival anymore. Like you have tools, you have a community let's try to move towards using your intuition so that you can actually yeah. thrive in relationships and friendships instead of just surviving. And part of that was a similar situation. Like it was ending a friendship that was just not beneficial for me. And I similarly, uh, it's not that I, there are situations where I get really, I feel very small, but it's with authority. So mm. the way that my brain works is if, a, if an authority figure shuts me down, I am so tiny and small and I will not defend myself. I will be quiet. Um, I've had it happen at like family functions where someone shuts me down and I am normally the first person to jump to anyone's defense and I just am dead silent. However, in friendships, I will defend myself. The issue is more that my emotional regulation is not great in a situation where I'm feeling triggered. And so with a lot of the conversations that are around justice topics, that my brain is like i will fight to the death like i have to protect these people i will just like go way too hard and then it'll be me screaming or like burning bridges that i didn't mean to burn and so it's it's partially a protective mechanism for that friendship and it's it's an actual like thing that my therapist has literally recommended like Mm -hmm. you do a lot better when you write letters or when you send texts or when you send emails and you are able to write that down you're able to bring it to your therapist and say hey what do we think about this is this is any changes i review it with my partner i review it with my best friend it's like hey Mm. anybody have any thoughts like how do we feel about this was i like i get some input and then it's like i send it and those conversations I've only been doing the text thing for about a year. I like purposely if it's a heated conversation, sending text or emails or whatever. Yeah. And they all go so much better because I'm not just like saying whatever comes to my brain. I'm taking yes. time. I'm being thoughtful. And I think that I think that there are times where that can be 
a way to be lazy <laughs> where people will send texts communicating certain things where it's like, I didn't want to deal with this conflict. And so I'm just yeah. going to like, <laughs> boop, and then I'm going to leave and I'm going to ghost you. I think that's a, a jerk move. But like, yeah. if you're being thoughtful and it's intentional and it's, no, I'm really trying to be cautious about the words that I'm using, or I'm trying yeah. to protect myself because I know this isn't a safe dynamic. And I know that if Absolutely. we were in an open and free conversation, I would feel hurt and I'm not yeah. respecting the little version of myself when I do that because she was stepped over yeah. all the time. And so I need to stand up for her and for me. I yeah. think that's not only so valid, but it's also really, really, really smart. Like it's genuinely really smart. It's not just like a, yay, like your feelings are valid. It's like, no, that's a really smart thing to do. Yeah. And it's, it's a coping mechanism and it's a smart one. Exactly. Yes. It's so smart. And and I think that's why it's just so important that we just, just as a culture, as a society, we we have to talk more about honoring our capacity and what people's mm -hmm. capacities are. Because some people, it's like one, you know, there are there are lots of autistic people, for instance, who are nonverbal. Like they yep. they they're nonverbal and they oftentimes just get forgotten and people treat them as less than people just because they're not speaking. And I'm someone who is, I am verbal, but it takes me significant effort to be verbal. Like I have to practice phrases. I have to, there's so much that I have to do that, that is just now part of my routine just to even be able to speak. And when I think about that, and then I think about all the environments that I have been in where the people who speak the fastest or the loudest or have the most vibrato, like those are the ones who end up having the most power. And just how unfortunate that is. Like there's just been time, like I, I've heard this version of this story so many times it's happened to me too. The whole, it happens a lot in church settings, but also happens like corporate settings too. Or the whole pulling someone over to the side, like, oh, I just cringe at that of like, just like, we need to talk about something and getting someone kind of cornering them almost in this place where they really don't have in that moment, any freedom to really speak or, or say what they feel. Cause they've been cornered. They've been they're they're Someone else is who's in charge, whether it's a boss or youth leader, whoever it is, is the one dictating that. And then you end up leaving feeling like, well, I never, I didn't even get to, <laughs> I didn't even get to defend myself. I didn't even get to say anything. So yeah, that's why I just, I've even just been thinking about, you know, what can I do in my writing and things that I share of just wanting to encourage more diversity around that because yeah. communication is obviously important, but it's like, we aren't going to all communicate the same way. We're not going to all be able to deal with conflict the same way. And we should be able to have open conversations around like, yeah, you know, I, like everything you were just saying about emotional regulation, I deal with that too. Like just having open conversations about that, just the way my emotions are set up, <laughs> I've just got to text mm -hmm. this out. And yeah. yeah, just talking about that more openly, I think is super important. Yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong too with getting creative with the way that you cope and the tools mm -hmm. that work for you. A lot of times there's yeah. kind of an aesthetically pleasing, socially accepted set of tools that people are okay with other people using. Yeah. And the second that we leave that box, then it's like, well, hang on. 
now you're doing something that's kind of weird or kind of loud or kind Mm -hmm. of abrasive and that's supposed to help you. And it's not harming anyone, but it's helping you, but it's just not quite aesthetically pleasing. It's not quite um, normal enough to fit into society. Um, And I think that a lot of times there are people's brains are so vastly different and autism has, thank God, started to be talked about on a spectrum. Um, and they, the autistic community really spearheaded the spectrum conversation. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, but everything is a spectrum. Like literally everything is a spectrum. The severity of mental illness, um, the sexuality, like it's, it's just like everything is a spectrum. And I think that because the world is very black and white and we like to have put things in boxes, we like right or wrong. Um, a lot of times that happens to coping tools and coping mechanisms where it's like, Mm -hmm well, this is what works for these people. And if you're autistic, here is your set of fidget spinners that have to work for you. And it's like, oh, wait, like I hate fidget spinners. I hate them. I can never, I've I've never figured them out either. No, no, I I hate them. And I'm so glad that they became widely available for people who actually really, really, really enjoy them and it works for them and it helps them. But I am moving and I am, uh, I have a room to myself now and um we have like the master my room my partner's room and um i am creating like a little autistic hideout for my room and so i'm doing my podcasting studio in there and then i'm doing a pillow fort and like a canopy that i can hide in and we were looking for like autistic um tools and coping tools and toys and stuff and it was just like the amount of it's it's there's a very very limited range of things and they're all they're all often very like based for kids Uh and so it's a lot of like the fidget spinners it's a lot of like the little fidget blocks or whatever Uh and then even if you want like a a sensory swing it is so hard to find one that is for adults for one that's big enough for an adult for two that has a realistic weight capacity and for three that isn't like two thousand dollars and so we were kind of just like oh how unfortunate and so we were trying to get creative with like okay well maybe i can do this maybe i can do that and it's just it's interesting how narrow-minded society i mean society's narrow-minded about everything but it's interesting how um they're uh, coping and learning and self-awareness and self-reflection And especially as an adult going back and figuring out, okay, what does my inner child need and how can I give that to them? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. Sometimes that isn't super socially acceptable. Sometimes that is kind of like seeming kind of immature as an adult where you're doing things that seem kind of like too juvenile. Yeah. But it's because your juvenile self didn't get to do them. And so either you get to do them as an adult or you never get to. And it's like, well, I'm going to do them while I can. And I've had friends that like, you know, all of a sudden really dive into kind of quote unquote, like juvenile hobbies. And there are people that really look down on that and are like, no, come on, grow up. I just saw a thing the other day. Um, Fox news obviously is maybe not the best like thing to quote. Um, But they were, they were like getting angry at college students for having uh, therapy cats. (laughs) And I was like, I I saw that. (laughs) Yeah, it was hilarious to me too because it was like one of the quotes was like that that'll never work in the real world and i was like 
uh, I have a dog and she's the only reason why I haven't died. Like it definitely does work in the real world. She's an ESA. Like that's the whole point of having an ESA. Um, and it's just kind of the whole like, oh, come on, like buck up, like be in the real world. And it's like, yeah, there's jokes around like, well, Gen Z and their coloring books. And it's like, well, we're, we're all trying to like feel joy and like heal ourselves and learn like so what if that takes takes place with a coloring book that might seem Mm -hmm. kind of kiddish like we're we're finding ways to like still find joy and light in an environment that's that's really dark and really gloomy and often feels really hopeless and if I can buy a dog or a coloring book and that brings me joy (laughs) then like so be it like it doesn't i'm not negatively harming like i'm not not impacting anybody in a negative way yeah oh absolutely it is yeah that video was so oh it lived in my head rent free for like a week (laughs) however whenever i saw it i I just was very unhinged i was just so wow like (laughs) like you know sometimes you just see things you're like i just need a minute i need to go outside and breathe like that's how I thought after watching that because I was like in that moment it just really just made very clear what I've been sensing and I was like oh this is very interesting taking time to cope with existence to to heal to do anything that heals is political and it is radical and The reason why, I mean, I'm no therapist, but the reason why I believe something like that would upset someone, the idea of of a college student having a cat or a coloring book or, I don't know, like wearing a dinosaur hoodie, whatever it is. Yeah. I think the reason why is because it's like, they're like, I didn't get to do Mm -hmm. the things that helped me cope. And it's hard for them to watch someone else get that. And I think that you know that you've grown as a person when you see someone else getting what you got before you got it and you cheer them on. And you're just like, like, I think, I think you said you're 23, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost 33. I was so excited to hear what you said about friendships and how you got that at 23, I'm like, I'm just getting there. <laughs> like, I, I'm i like, oh my goodness, I'm so happy for you. And even just, I don't even think I had a therapist until I was 28. Like, I'm happy. I'm just like, get everything you need, like as early, yeah. as soon as possible. Um, Like, that's like when people were upset that people's student loans are getting paid off. Like, well, I had to pay for mine. I'm like, yeah, I pay for mine too. I don't care. Like, if, if it helps, yeah. if anybody else gets to struggle a little bit less, like, right. I think that is a sign of growth. Like, that's something we should be excited about. But you can't get there unless you have gone on that healing journey yourself of recognizing like, oh, it's not too late for me to find the things that I need to heal to, to, you know, whatever it is, whether it's to heal your broken heart or to just heal your inner child. And if you haven't gone on that journey, then watching somebody else heal upsets you. And yeah, it can be hard. And it's and it just makes me really sad for them. You know, it's like my hope is that people who get upset <laughs> at things like that, that some someday they sit back and say, Oh, maybe 
maybe this is my inner child crying out because they didn't get this and they want this and it's not too late for me to get it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, it, 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 this might not be an ideal comparison, but it kind of reminds me in a way or like a kind of, I guess, parallel would be if you see someone and you've had cancer and you've gone through chemo and then they find a cure for cancer and you are pissed that other Mm. cancer patients get the cure and you had to suffer through like the treatment. And you know what I mean? It's just kind of one of those things where it's like wishing suffering upon anybody just because they had solutions or tools or healing or whatever support earlier than you did. Um, it's the same kind of thing of like, oh, well, I didn't go to therapy. Like I, I just like toughed it up on my own and it's like, okay, like good for you. Like therapy saved my life. Like, why is that a bad thing? Um, and it is, it is like heartbreaking in a way because I think there is, I don't know if people realize how obvious it is and how apparent it Mm -hmm. is that it's coming from a place of hurt. But in my opinion, it's pretty blatant. Like it's pretty loud and proud of like, I am hurt, big flashing neon sign. And it is one of those things where one of the first things I like thought when I saw the cat clip was just like, like, why, why are we hating on like joy? Like I'm, I'm, there are parts of politics and parts of political parties that I do not affiliate myself with where I can at least get to the rationale where I'm like, okay, you're affected by XYZ financial policy. I understand why you Mm -hmm. might be upset. Okay, whatever. In what world does it ever affect you if someone is having joy and it's not taking anything away from you? You're not being impacted. Even if even if it is uh, something where you're seeing you're having to make a slight sacrifice for other people's joy, that's also, mm-hmm. to me, not a problem. But I, I could even understand a little bit of that, of why there'd be anger. Yeah. But if it's just simply someone doing their own thing and finding joy in it, and because that's not how you find joy, or maybe you weren't allowed to find joy that way you're offended by it that always has boggled my mind because it's just like aren't we rooting for like people to succeed yeah. shouldn't that be the goal that we yeah, want people I, to succeed and be happy and we yeah and we want to improve like don't we want things to be better for yeah. the next generation i like, don't know <laughs> i i not? really like i know i'm getting kind of old but i'm just like i really just hope that i don't get to an age where i'm just like oh well back in my day like you kids don't yeah. have to struggle i'm like that that's a that's a thing to rejoice about I'm like that's i'm the goal. so glad you kids don't have to struggle like right. So there's so many moments. I have this experience on TikTok all the time and I've gotten emotional about it several times where I will see, like, I was just in, in the world that I grew up in, I would, I was just considered weird. Like I was considered like weird black kid to the point that, I mean, I play guitar and when I was playing guitar in my teen years, I would walk into the store getting weird looks, the People who work there always assume that I didn't know what I was doing. Like, it was just racism, misogyny, all the things, like, all at once, all the time. And now I'm seeing young Black kids on TikTok, like Gen Z, just, like, going viral with, like, their interesting, indie, quirky music. I know exactly what song you're talking about. Yeah, and I'm just, yeah. And it's fantastic, and it's so unique. Exactly. And I'm like, I am cheering this on all the way. Like, I'm like, yes, there. And and here's the thing. Two things are happening at once. 
I do grieve that I didn't get that. Mm. I do grieve the fact that when I was in my teens, I uploaded a video singing Johnny Cash and got called the N-word in the comments. I do mm. grieve that. That it, and that and, and that was kind of like the whole thing. And it scared me away. And there was no backup support. There was no TikTok. There was no culture of like, hey, let's rally around this person anyway. There is grief there. And at the same time, <laughs> there's also joy for the people yep. who get to create something beyond that. And I, I just, I don't know. I really pride myself on that. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's just like a lot of my ego, but I'm just like, no, I I really pride myself on of wanting things to get better for other people. I mean, that was even why I shared my autism diagnosis. I, I really struggled with it because I was like, this is very private information. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, okay, <laughs> let's share it with 1.9 million people and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> that was literally, I didn't know what was going to happen. But after that, I've gotten so many messages of people older and younger than me who were like, Thanks to you sharing that, like I was able to kind of start talking to my therapist more and I actually got diagnosed myself and I'm like, yeah, that's, that is what it's all about. It's about realizing that yes, you are an individual, but you are a part of a collective as well. Mm -hmm. Your individual decisions, even the positive individual decisions that you make can have ripple effects in the community. So it's like when, when we openly speak about going to therapy or just navigating friendship or whatever, like that just opens one more door on this like infinitely long hallway of people are like, Oh, I guess I can do that too. Like I, I do need to uh, reconsider that friendship and just giving more permission for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to end on the, your autism diagnosis because that similarly like i i think it's so important to talk about especially women mm-hmm. who have autism because there's been such a stigma and a expectation around autism that it manifests in women so much differently and um it can there can be a lot of things where it, it's assumed if you're relational if you're a relational empathetic person that you couldn't be autistic or if you are someone who um, is, I don't know, is creative but doesn't have just one fixation that you couldn't mm-hmm. be autistic. Because there's these stereotypes that have been really blanketed over autism. And the thing is, is because it is a spectrum, they can definitely apply to some people. But there's mm-hmm. the expectation that they apply to everybody. And if you don't yeah. fit into that like little group, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so interesting and important for you to speak about your diagnosis because we don't see a lot of public figures talking about them being autistic that's not a super common thing you've got a few people like you my mom just mentioned she's like yeah bill gates (laughs) i was like yeah but like think about how many black women in public figure you know positions have you heard speaking about being autistic not very many. Yeah. And you do have such a large reach. And I, I, I'm sure, I don't know if you even know how many people just know you by name. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a lot. Um, especially, especially, especially in uh, 
a lot of deconstruction spaces, a lot of deconstruction spaces. And so I wanted to like in a post, so you posted on October 11th about your ADHD and autism diagnosis. And you said, quote, simply existing in this world requires so much effort that when I do something considered an accomplishment, I'm often speechless. So I wanted to end on a a question about just the burnout and exhaustion that can stifle your inner child. And then simultaneously with that burnout and the exhaustion that comes with being neurodivergent and having to put so much effort into just functioning, Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like it stifles your inner child? And if yes, um, how do you give yourself permission to play and rest and also forgive yourself for maybe not achieving what you thought you would in the time frame or the box that society wanted you to? Because I know mm-hmm. for me, I put there's a lot of shame that comes with it sometimes of yeah. – I didn't do that the way the world wanted me to do it, or I had to go and do go around this corner and find a creative solution. And I get hard on myself, like really, really, Mm -hmm. really easy where I'm then shaming myself and putting myself down. And of course there's the the grace aspect where it's like, Oh, be kind to yourself. But there's also the forgiveness aspect of maybe you've already been mean to yourself and you need to kind of be like, I forgive you for not meeting my expectations and I'm going to just move on from that. So how do you, how do you play and how do you give yourself grace? And then how do you also forgive? Yeah, absolutely. Those are such great questions. And, and um, yeah, for those who may not be familiar, you know, with autism, autistic burnout is different than regular burnout. Um, We, we burn out longer, (laughs) if you will. I mean, it can take years to recover. And that has definitely been my experience. Um, I went through just a lot of different rushes in my life, but definitely these past few years from a professional standpoint have been heavier and busier than ever. And I am starting to get to a point where I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> getting a little tired. And the way that I move through that, move through the stuff that I have to do um, and the stuff that I maybe want to do, but I'm like, I'm too tired to do, or my ADHD won't let me do it. Um, whatever it is, or could finish it. Um, there's all that stuff. But one thing that, that has been really driving me lately is just kind of resolving that being in this body as a, as a black woman, being autistic, um, in this world, the way our current world is structured, that anything I do that is for growth, for rest, for play is going to be a risk. And there is a risk that it might be considered childish, a waste of time, insecure, it might be frowned upon. And I am now, like when I shared that particular post that you mentioned, which I'm so glad you did, because I was really proud of it. And that was one that I really had a hard time sharing because I've been hearing stories about people saying that talking about their neurodivergence impacts their career, which Mm -hmm. in our current societal structure, a career is something you need to keep the lights on. I'm conscious of that. Um, (laughs) And sometimes that freaks me out. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I do something that makes it all go away? But in pressing publish, I'm like, yeah, I do risk some of that. 
I do risk that somebody may see this and say, oh, I don't want to work with her. She might be a little too, uh, I don't know. She might not have herself together enough. I do risk that. And I think that some people might be surprised when they see someone like with all the followers. Oh, that stuff still happens. Like I still miss opportunities, get, you know, lose opportunities. Like nothing, I mean, nothing like really dramatic. <laughs> I set that up like it was super dramatic. It's not <laughs> super dramatic, but it's just like with anything you do, like things are not always going to go according to plan. That's essentially right. what I'm trying to say. And there's real anxiety around that. It's just like, Oh my goodness, there's like a there's like a human living in my house who's three years old and I'm responsible for his meals and everything everything, right. everything in his life. So I'm like, it's not just me, it's like me and my husband and my kid and da da da, all this stuff. So I'm like, yeah, posting this is a risk in a sense, but it's a risk I'm willing to take. So that's that's kind of where I um have kind of resolved to be. I'm not going to lie. It's not my favorite place. Um, (laughs) I'd rather just like be, just feel really confident all the time that what I'm saying and what I'm doing is the right thing, but I just don't know. Like I'm taking some risk now, even with like, I'm going back to grad school in January. I took a long break. from. Thank you. I took a long break um, from school, just couldn't afford it and super busy, but I always wanted to finish. I always wanted to go back to grad school. So I'm going back and grad school takes time. It takes money. It takes energy. It takes resources. It's not like, like I've had people tell me, why would you go back to school when you have followers? And I'm just like, cause I want to, <laughs> cause yeah. I want to, it's like little Morgan loves school. I love studying art. And so that's what I'm going to do. And there is absolutely risk in that, but I know it's what my inner child needs. I know it's important. So that's how I've been, how I've been moving through it lately. It's just recognizing that, you know, even taking a day off, like in our society, sadly, it's very sad, but it is a risk. Yes. Everything is built around productivity and how much you need, you need to get done. And it's heartbreaking. So deciding, you know what, I'm not going to take that project on, or I'm going to take today off, or I'm going to just like, post things about my random interest and just because I want all those all those things could open their their they create vulnerability and they could open up to anybody saying anything but at the same time they can also open up to opportunities for other people to feel seen and to feel affirmed in in who they are (laughs) no I I agree though I I recently in the last six months started rock climbing and I was really anxious because I have such a big fear of heights and stuff. And my partner was talking to me about kind of cost risk analysis. And he was saying, yeah, I'm scared every time I get up on the wall. Like I, it still freaks me out. And he was like, but I'm taking a risk in a controlled environment and I'm teaching myself and basically building almost like muscle memory of how to process and bounce back from fear in the face of a risk, like when you're facing risk and you're facing a potential, you know, negative outcome. And he was like, yeah, so I, uh, that's how I practice overcoming fear is taking these little risks and wow. learning how to get over them and move, pe- move forward, even though it's, even though it's a risk. Yes. And he was like, and it has completely translated like to my personal life. And I started rock climbing and I love it. And like, it's something where 
it it's very much so it's it he was exactly right like there are situations where i get up there and we call it like oh oh that was i had a really intense fear response where sometimes you'll get up on the wall mm-hmm. and you're so used to it and then sometimes you'll hop up there you'll look down at one point and it's like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god get me down get me down get me down and all of a sudden it's terrifying and it's really interesting how your every once in a while your body's fear response just pops up and because oh. i've trained myself now for the last 6 months to just keep going I I have noticed it in my personal life where I'll feel my body tense up. I'll feel my breathing get shallow and I'm having some sort of anxiety or fear response in my personal life outside of the climbing gym. Yeah. And I'm starting to teach myself how to just muscle memory, keep moving forward or take a deep breath or cope or regulate my nervous system or whatever and learning how to move forward in my in my personal life. And I think that's super cheesy and super cliche, but there's nothing that like really yeah. good comes out of anything that doesn't take a risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comfort it's so true. Aren't it's... Where things happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's exactly where I've gotten. I'm like, Oh, I wish it was more complex than this. Like I, <laughs> I wish yeah. there was an, another way, but I'm like, wow, it really does come down to this basic thing and just recognizing that. Yeah. It's, it's taking this risk, but also pacing yourself and, you know, not judging yourself in the process. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, of course. And for thank chatting. you. Yes. Yes. It was such a, such a great conversation. Great way to, to in the year, I should yeah, say. So. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you guys for tuning in to our inner child series. I'm really glad that I got a chance to do this and have these conversations. And I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I mean, genuinely, like, like I've said, your, your work and you, not just your work, but you have, have met and mean so much to me and what you do and who you are. And so thank you so much for, for just being you. Um, and I, I know so much of your art and your poetry has so much of your soul in it and you can just tell by reading it. And, um, it really, I, I can't even explain enough how much it has impacted me. And I know that it has impacted I mean, I know friends that it's impacted, like close people to me. So Mm. thank you so much for all that you do. And with that being said, I want to make sure that if people don't know you, they get a chance to find you. So where can people find you? Do you have anything to plug, any projects? Yes. So I am Morgan Harper Nichols, pretty much everywhere on social media, on TikTok and Instagram, Morgan Harper Nichols. And then I have an app. It's called Storyteller. So you can check that out in the Apple Store and the Android Store. And we just added a journal feature. And even if it's a free feature in the app. So if anyone's just looking for a little nice place to go on your phone that, you know, another app it's a little quieter Um, yeah yeah it's called storyteller so yeah (laughs) amazing well thank you so much i really appreciate you coming on yes thank you so much well that's all the time that we have for today thank you guys so much for listening and if you enjoyed the podcast please write us five stars on itunes and leave us a review you can also follow the blog on instagram at seraphina blog and visit us online at seraphina blog or you can visit the podcast online at mindfulmindspod.com you can also follow us on TikTok at Mindful Mind Podcast, or you can follow me on TikTok at Fina underscore underscore Bina, F-I-N-A underscore underscore B-I-N-A for deconstruction content. And as always, to end our time, unclench your jaw, take a deep breath, and remember, you can always learn, you can always grow, and you can always choose to live your life in a more mindful way. I will chat with you guys next week for our January series to kick off the new year.